podcast where app geeks <laughs> every fucking time, man. Where athletes and geeks collide. I'm your host, Bakari. And um, I ain't really going to call it an action pack a day, but I do have an announcement for you guys. June 5th, I believe, Devin Haney versus George Cambosis for all the Marvels, Undisputed, WBC, WBO, IVF, WBA lightweight belts, franchise title on the line, and uh, with a rematch clause on the line as well, man. So I'm very, very excited to announce that. Of course, it's not my announcements on ESPN.com, Twitter, wherever you can find it. So you probably know it by now. But I am here to give you guys a little early fight preview, a a preview of the preview, if you will, just because I I really enjoy both these fighters, man. Outside the ring, they're brash, they're confident. But inside the ring, they're both the highly skilled technicians. George Cambosis, I'm not going to lie, he impressed me just with one fight. You know what I mean? I saw the fight before this fight. It was a little bit more of a challenge for him. But the Teofilo Lopez fight that he had last, he really showed ring generalship, uh, hand speed, and power to knock the bigger Teofimo Lopez down because Teofimo Lopez came in there heavy. You know, and part of that was cousin conditioning. But at the same time, he takes power to knock a bigger man down. And he had good ring IQ. He came in with a, he came in with a game plan and executed it. I won't say flawlessly because he did suffer a knockdown himself. It was a split decision win. But the game of split decision win over an incumbent champion is very, very impressive work. <clears throat> and, you know, and just the mirror that Devin Haney himself is a very skilled technician. The only thing that he has, that he doesn't have, that George Cambosis does maintain is knockout power at this level, um, at the championship level. His last two fights against Jorge Linares and Jojo Diaz, um, you know, they win 12 rounds because he just couldn't stop them. And Jorge Linares is a, uh, I won't say he's a shot fighter, but he's an older fighter uh, who can be knocked out. Uh, Jojo Diaz is a 130-pounder competing at 135. An underrated inside fighter, um, kind of a kind of a messy fighter, but he's, he's skilled. He has good ring IQ, and they both took Devin Haney 12 rounds, and I just feel like George Cambosis. Just from what I've seen recently, is on a different level. And both those fighters, um, nothing about his fighting style seems fluky. Nothing about his athleticism seems fluky. And Devin Haney himself is shown to have a uh, a questionable chin, <laughs> a questionable chin. So that leads me to speculate um, on what the outcome of this fight will be. I don't want to get my decision. I don't want to get my decision yet. I want to go back. I want to watch a couple fights. Um, the issue is that. Devin Haney and George Cambosis' resumes are both too short to really accurately compare it to anything. Like I said, Devin Haney's last two fights were probably his toughest and also probably the most legit. Um, outside of his last two fights against Jorge Linares and Jojo Diaz, he fought a Rufus Gamboa, who was a former champion, a former gold medalist Olympian. Um, but he's like he was like 38 or some shit. He was old as hell. He was old as hell. And, I mean, he just recently suffered a knockout in the 12th round by Javante Davis, who we'll probably also cover later on in this fight because it's about time to get into him. And, um, I mean, it's Devin Haney, man, I don't if, – if if I had to make a prediction today, I'd say he loses him. Like, because he gets a lot of credit for his defense. I want to say he loses somewhere in, like, the 8th, ninth round. He, he gets a lot of credit for his defense, but how when he gets touched so much and he gets touched in a way that makes his knees wobble. Um, even even in the fights where he don't get hit hard, he gets hit clean. 
and that's concerning because at this level, punches like Tiafima Lopez, who you constantly calling out, Ryan Garcia, who you constantly calling out, it doesn't take much. They just need to get clean. They have so much power, and it doesn't. They don't need a lot of space to get that shit off. So that's a concern, and I mean. Devin Haney's at 135, and he's a big 135-pounder, so conditioning and nutrition is going to come into play. He has to be in peak, tip-top shape. He has to be more focused than he has ever fucking been. He has to be locked in. And he comes in as a he comes in as an overdog in this uh, because of his skill level and his potential and his body. He's that good. But in my opinion, he is an underdog because I see – I see power in Cambosis. I see dog in Cambosis. I see focus in Cambosis. I see the ability to turn it on and turn it off. He was doing all this talking bullshit before the Tiafimo Lopez fight. He has a little McGregor to him. He has a little bit of showman to him. Part of that Australian accent, you know, the Great Britain, UK influence shit. Uh, it just gives that flair to everything they say over there, man. So that's great for promotion. But when he's in the ring, all I've seen is business. And I mean, is it pretty all the time? Not really. But, I mean, the opponent doesn't look very pretty at the end of the night either. And that's all you really want at the end of the day. Um, Early predictions. I'll give y'all an early prediction. Ninth round knockout or technical knockout. I don't know if, I don't know if Bill Haney and um Ben Davidson are really prepared. I mean, ben Davidson's been in the high-level fights in the corner. But I don't think he'll be the head man in this. I think it'll still be Bill Haney. So, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic in that corner. Um, as far as how much back and forth Bill and Ben give each other uh, outside the ring and how well Bill does at relaying what Ben has told him privately to Devin. Um, cause I do think that he's going to need some high-level advice because I don't know if Devin Haney does the best job at adjusting to you know things on the fly at the ring. He starts to get a little stubborn, and uh, he gets stuck in his ways. He likes to fight, man. He's not soft. Um, but you know, he has a, you can tell his father has a specific game plan for him and I just want to see, um, they, they've done a great job so far. I just want to see where they go with this level. It'll, it'll tell us a lot about both fighters. Honestly, I think this will go far to legitimize George Cambosis' reign at the lightweight division who honestly sends Vasily Lomachenko who should have had this fight, but it's still in Ukraine. Um, I think it validates, I think it validates George and I think it validates Devin who's also missing this high-level fight. Moving on to other fighters in this division, once again, we're missing a lot of high-level fights. Javante Tank Davis fighting Logan Romero. Uh, they had the opportunity. I mean, like, they had the opportunity to get this out the way early, but Romero was facing a court case. Da, 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 da. They pulled the fight, but now I believe, I don't, phew. I want to say it was sanctioned. I want to say it was a sanctioned fight. Yeah, WBC, WBO, one of the motherfuckers. Them ass niggas ordered this ugly ass fight, and it's gonna it's gonna get ugly. You you start to see ESPN trying to hype it up. Tim Bradley did a little did a little underrated fighters in East Division. Listening, he named Rolly Romero as a fighter to watch for because of his knockout power. But I mean, you get the level of competition he was fighting on Showtime. It wasn't very good. It was really nobody ranked within the top ten to my knowledge. And the last fight I saw him in before he had to take an absence due to those uh, sexual assault. That one sexual assault case. It's not multiple. He's not Deshaun. Uh, that sexual assault case or whatever that he was acquitted of. I give him his uh, due on that. He, uh, it was ugly. I mean, the dude, he, he got he got as much as he gave. And he didn't look very pretty at the end of the night. That being said, 
Javante Davis lately has had a proclivity to get hit pretty hard as well, pretty a lot as well. So I say it's an ugly fight, but it's really going to be an ugly fight for both fighters. Um, Javante Davis is a strong puncher, but he's, she's been struggling at 135 for some reason. Um, not struggling to get wins. He always gets the win, but it just seems it takes a little while to get his motor, uh, his motor going, to get his offense off and his defense. He has good reflexes. He's quick, but it's just something about how much or how comfortable he is getting hit. And I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's undefeated. He has a trainer he trusts. Uh, the dynamic between him and Mayweather seems to be healthier than it has been earlier on in his career. Uh, he seems to be able, he seems to be able to do a good job of compartmentalizing what you know Calvin Ford is telling him, and then what Floyd Mayweather may come up to the ring and say, as long as the you know the ref and shit and the judges allow it, which of course is Floyd Mayweather, they will always allow it. So, uh, him fighting Raleigh Romero is not an appetizing uh, prospect for his career because he's he's honestly getting up in age, and you know the older you get, the way your metabolism slows down, his weight cuts are a lot for him. He's small, he's small as fuck for 140. He's at 135. He's really probably two weight classes too high. He really should be at 126, just pounding motherfuckers. Like, really pounding. He's short as hell. You know what I mean? Like, he's small. He's just sh- strong as shit. That's why he survived the way he has. That's why he's dominated the way he has so long. Um, And, I mean, honestly, I, I envision the future where Tango's going to move between weight classes, just taking the most exciting fights like he has. But it's just the fights haven't been exciting in terms of the competition. They've just been exciting in terms of results. But, I mean, I envision the future where, you know, Tank would probably float between 126 and 135 efficiently, you know, not with all the drama. And, I mean, he's he's made weight these last couple times, uh, reportedly without issue. But then you get in the ring and it's just not the – it's just not the – it's just not pound for pound level to me. I mean, he's been ranked pound for pound recently by some people. I don't know if I'm ready to give him that. The skill is there, the competition, the the opportunity to prove himself has not been there, and that's what he's missing. That's what Ryan Garcia is missing. That's what motherfucking even the only one that hasn't missed it is Lomachenko, and even him recently. I mean, Richard Comey, come on, man, come on, top rank. You can do better than that. Um, Ryan Garcia is fighting some. I don't even want to talk about Ryan Garcia, man. Ryan, by the time Ryan Garcia fights anybody a note, it'll be at 140. Um, look, I'm going to take a short break. I can feel it starting to get ranchish. I'm, I'm fresh off work, man. Had a workout, but now I'm starting to get kind of ornery like an old man. So, short five-minute break, and I'll be with you guys shortly. Five minutes for me, not for y'all. I'll be like five seconds more.
my job is back. I guess you know, I gotta go I'll you guys a couple recaps, man. I didn't really do fight previews for some of these fights because to be quite honest with you, they weren't that exciting. But I still owe you guys the the privilege of giving you a warning that Evander Zayas was performing about a week and a half ago. Saturday night or what it might have been a Friday night. It was something crazy. I almost missed it. He was on Edgar Berenda's main card. He was the co main, one three co mains, I believe. And of course he just dominated, man. Just just constantly beat the shit out of his opponent. Um I think the interesting thing about Xander Zayas is that his power just thus far has grown with his frame. You know, he started off at welterweight. I believe he was at middleweight right now. Um, I guess he's in the he's in the he's in the he's at middleweight right now. Um, dang, I'm trying to think. He's solid, but watching this fight, you could tell that he was obviously more skilled than the opponent that he had trouble. I won't say he had trouble because he wasn't overly aggressive, but he just didn't seem to be able to stop him. He was hitting him with you know solid shots, so that's something to move watch monitor moving forward. It's kind of problem. He can't kill everybody. Don't gotta knock out everybody. Maybe he was trying to get some good rounds in. He wasn't. He wasn't no bench. He wasn't getting cooked very much, very often. Um. So maybe he can get some good work into it. Nothing behind it. So uh, he did a good job working the body. He has a good attack. I think it would be too low to put on a fight. A high level fight. I just think it's a little. He's a flip. I don't know if he's ready up top. Just because it's like game speed type deal, like the way your brain processes boxing, I believe it's gonna be different at that higher level, and we haven't seen that yet. But I think he's doing a good job moving along. I like to see him take a higher level fight, but he's so young. He started fighting when he was thirteen. Why rush? Um, Edgar Yehinder. Uh, I mean, it's it's an ugly performance. Hammer went Nick. It went the distance. I'm not used to seeing that his last couple fights have went the distance. And he's got he got his clips. He's not a pretty boxer, man, but he never will be. But it's kind of like a Deontay Wilder thing in the sense that as long as he can produce, as long as he can find a way to get clean shots off, he can be successful. The issue is he produces to land and he's still young enough to land. He's still early enough in his career to establish a jab against weaker opponents before he starts entering the dog. So he's at a weight level where he's I know it's just to metal already at one sixty eight right now, but I mean it's a lot of motherfuckers ain't gonna do this. Come on man. You don't wanna you it's a lot of motherfuckers gonna see it at one sixty eight. I think this motherfucker's at one sixty if I come up with Edgar Berenda a lot, just being quite honest. I don't think he's that skilled. Shit, it's one sixty four. I think he's skilled. I mean it's like I'm, I might be gassing right now, but he's not very skilled. It's something he can work on. It's something he can improve. And I mean, he's got him this far, but he should at least work on his defense. Um, not much to say on that recap, man. Uh, Lenny Woods, Mike Conley, Nick Conley, uh, and in the knockout prayers out to him. Hope he's recovering well. I believe he's suffering concussion or some other hitting ass. Um, an interesting fight in the sense. But it's, it feels like it's for a belt that nobody else really wants. There's better fighters in that range, that division. Even with Gary Russell Jr. coming off a loss, it's probably a better fight for Lenny Wood right now. Um, 
it's kind of interesting in that British Great Britain and the sect of the world, the way they approach boxing and the way they, the highly skilled, the highly technician, the great technicians. So I feel like they're always be able to compete if the right matchup is made. Um, you saw it with the uh, God damn! I just watched this fight, the Josh Taylor, uh Jack Catterall fight. Um, both. Both UK fighters, Josh Taylor is probably being more familiar because of his UK status, but Jack Carroll took it to the drinks because he himself is a high-level fighter with a high-level IQ and skills and you know technical, and it's not like he's ranked very high in the UFO forty eight. Like he is, but it's not like he is ranked high enough to be a threat to Josh Taylor. He's ranked high enough to get one on one. He's number one contender. He's ranked high, but. No one thought that he would go into that fight and upset Josh Taylor, at least not out of the hundred. But shit, I thought he won that fight. And they gave away a lot of fight, a lot of rounds of the fight, but I thought he won that fight. Um, where the hell is Deontay Wilder? Still waiting on Terrence Crawford news. Errol Spence, Jonas Ugas is on the on the horizon around April fifth. Some time in April, shit, it's April now. Um. Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez. That'll be a good one. That'll make fight. Shakur Stevenson, I defensive, Oscar Valdez. How the offense with improving defense. And Shakur has an improving offense. We'll see who makes the best decision. I will have a more in-depth fight preview soon. And a, a longer episode soon. So I my absence. God bless. Please all respect women. And we out.